It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 71 of the Night Talker. We're scrapping our usual plans because I am broadcasting from Big 12 Media Days at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Over the course of the hour, I'll be speaking with Texas starting quarterback Quinn Ewers, University of Houston coach Dana Holgerson, and in mere seconds, chatting with Longhorns head football coach Steve Sarkeesian. I am your host, Trey Elling. Give me a follow on Twitter at CourtesyWave. And do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. It is always a pleasure to get to come up to the DFW area and take part in Big 12 Media Days. The last several years now, it has been at AT&T Stadium, a.k.a. Jerry World, where, of course, the Dallas Cowboys play and the Big 12 decides its champion at the end of the year with that conference championship game. And we start things off in grand fashion today, and that would be with the one other Armenian in AT&T Stadium. He is Texas Longhorns head football coach Steve Sarkeesian. Sark, uh, welcome back to Jerry World. Thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today? I'm great. I appreciate you all having me. It's an exciting time. Uh, I always say mid-July, media days coming around. Uh, you can smell football, and that's what uh, we all love to do. So appreciate you having me on. It's uh, my pleasure. We're a little bit more than a month away from the season right now. I know you've been very optimistic about things all off season. Your roster's in really good shape. You guys uh, went through spring ball okay. I mean, are you still feeling that sense of optimism that y'all are going to be able to accomplish some uh, some really fun and exciting things for this program this season? Yeah, I am. You know, I think ultimately um, you know, we've got great leadership on this team, and I think this whole thing started in January uh with the approach that our players have had and i, and I want to commend them because we talk a lot about our culture we talk a lot about kind of the trajectory of the program none of that would happen without the intent that our players are coming with every day they walk in the building and um, i'm proud of them i'm proud of our coaches for instilling them in that and continuing to give them a platform to to make that happen but you know we've got great you know great balance of returning players with a lot of experience with an influx of 30 new players, five transfers, 25 high school kids, uh, and, and an opportunity now going into year three where it doesn't feel new. You know, it feels like this is exactly what we're supposed to be doing at this time. Uh, and, I, and I really believe our players are on a mission right now to, to go capture a championship. We've got to go do that, right? We've got to put that on the field. But uh, I, I have a utmost confidence in them that, uh, that we're in position to go do that. College football is in such a fascinating place right now. You just mentioned all the roster turnover and that's happening across the country. And a lot of that has to do with NIL, which most of us are happy that these kids are able to uh, to make a little bit of money for their name, image, and likeness while playing the sport that they hopefully love. But at the same time, it seems unsustainable that we see this much roster turnover. And for you guys, you are not just having to recruit these kids until they step foot on campus. I mean, it's a 24-7 process for you now to make sure uh, that, the, that these guys don't have wondering eyes during the offseason, during the season as well, because it's so easy to go from one school to another. Uh, do you see an obvious uh, element that needs to be implemented to maybe slow this down and uh, just uh, subdue the craziness just a little bit? Well, I think there's a lot to unpack in that, right? Um, because first and foremost, I, I think this. We don't worry about our players leaving. Um, hmm. 
we try to treat them with the utmost respect. We try to let them know that, hey, you're going to get developed on and off the field. You have an opportunity to earn a world-class education at the University of Texas, play big-time football on a tremendous stage, the biggest stage in, in all the land. Um, you get to do it in the city of Austin where you can start to build your brand for a life after football. And so I, I don't go through life coaching these guys like I hope they don't leave. Uh, I go through with I hope they appreciate what they have while they're here. And I think that that inevitably works for us. You know, we're not one of the teams that, that goes and recruits 10, 15, 20 transfers every year. I, I just mentioned we took five. Yeah. And the five we took are very specific to fit those needs. I can't say the same for every other school. I don't know how they do it. But what I do think if, if we could help college football is maybe there's something when a kid signs with your school that it's at least a two-year agreement before they can enter the portal that, hey, let's, let's give – I decided to go to school. Let's give it two years to try to develop them so that, you know, most of the guys that get the wandering eye, it's early on because they come in and they're the, they're the biggest fish in their pond that they come from, and then they get there. Well, every other guy in that locker room is the biggest fish in their pond too. And so we're trying to teach the value of perseverance and overcoming adversity in your life. That takes time. And so I think that that would be helpful – Unless you have a coaching change or something of the sort. But, hey, I, I'm not here to, to, uh, to try to make rules for the NCAA and college football. I'm here to coach our football team. These are the rules that are in place, and it's our job to try to, to, try to work within those rules to field the best team that we can. So I'm in a complete agreement with you that contracts make a lot of sense. But in order to do that, these kids may have to be considered uh, employees of the university. And I think that's one of the big hangups right now because the NCAA, especially in some of these schools, are trying to keep that from happening. Do you think that's just inevitable at some point? I don't know. Uh, like I said, man, my, my, my bandwidth of, of what, I'm, what I'm capable of, of, of holding on to and, and working with on a daily basis is only so much. And there's a lot of really smart people in, in rooms right now trying to figure all this stuff out. Uh, like I said, my job is to try to figure out what are the rules, okay, and then how do we maximize the opportunities within those rules to field the best football team for the University of Texas. These are the rules that we have right now, and as I say all the time, you got to adapt or die. And we've had to adapt to these rules, and I think that we've done a good job of that. Um, I don't know where this whole thing's going to head. I hope when we look back at this era of college football, 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now, we look back and say, that was, that was a great era for college football because it changed where things are headed. What that change exactly ends up being, I don't think anybody knows yet. I don't know if you are a student of stoicism, but you uh, definitely have a stoic nature about you, and I really appreciate that, including the resilience and adaptability belief. I know you've talked about uh, the dinosaurs didn't adapt, and unfortunately they died. I feel like the, uh, the meteors had a little bit to do with that, though, you know? <laughs> well... Somebody survived that time. Some, you know, so the bacteria survived. you yeah. got to be the bacteria yeah. in that scenario and not the dinosaurs. You never right? know. Well, he is Texas Longhorns head football coach Steve Sarkeesian. Nice enough to join me for a few minutes. We'll have to get into the Armenian side of things next time. Coach, thank you so much for the time today. All righty. Thank you. Anytime. Just a couple minutes before the commercial break here. Quick reminder, I know I mentioned it at the top here, but I will be speaking with Longhorn starting quarterback Quinn Ewers at 1030. Next segment, it will be a chat with U of H head coach Dana Holgerson. And, yeah, I do get a Phil Collins joke in there before the end of that chat. Well worth your time. Dana is a really interesting dude to get to speak with. I've actually heard great things about the guy uh, from people who have been around him in the past. And, my opinion is very similar after our first interaction. 
Brett Yormark, of course, did speak earlier today, gave his State of the Conference address to officially kick things off. And I continue to be impressed with the job that Brett Yormark is doing as the commissioner of the Big 12. I think that he has shown a savvy and an understanding with not only helping this conference to move forward without Texas or Oklahoma, but how to make sure they remain a relevant part of the college football and college sports conversation. And by the way, he is he goes over the top with the gracious, courteous way that he treats other people, and that goes a long ways. But the guy is very, very detail-oriented, and I think that is very clear based on how you see things playing out with the Big 12 right now. He has done a really interesting thing in terms of trying to spread the conference's footprint. Of course, we've talked about the basketball games and eventually the football game happening south of the border in Mexico. The fact that they're going to be playing a college basketball game at Rucker Park is just really cool. And that's outside of the box thinking right now. And that is directly related to Brett Yormark and his desire on running his business a certain way. And I know we're talking about amateur college sports, but it is big business. And Yormark does not take that lightly, and it's why he has the Big 12 set up so well to succeed going forward. We will hopefully have a conversation with Brett Yormark tomorrow. Today, though, we do continue our chats with University of Houston head football coach Dana Holgerson. That's coming up next. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. And we are back at Big 12 Media Days with a very special conversation right now. This guy is responsible for some of the most high-powered offenses in Big 12 history. I used to affectionately refer to him as Big 12 Phil Collins, and I actually get to again for at least one more year, the one more year that the Longhorns are in the Big 12. It is University of Houston head football coach Dana Holgerson. Dana, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good, so let's make this one worth it. This is the, first, this is the last one. Uh, let's, uh, let's make this one worth it, right? Did you expect to find your way back into the Big 12 when you took the U of H job a few years ago? I did, actually. Um, you know, I've been keeping my eye on Houston for a long time. You know, I was here, here in 2008, 2009, you know, with Case Keenum. And, you know, we were truly a group of five program at that point. Um, you know, Conference USA, uh, you know, it felt group of five. Um, but I loved Houston. I'd been recruiting it since 2000. Uh, you know, when I reluctantly left to go to Oklahoma State in 2010 and then uh, West Virginia for, for eight years, um, you know, uh, in the stint that I had there as head coach, which was an awesome eight years, um, I had, I'd continuously kept coming back to Houston to keep my eye on to see what was going on around there. And it just kept getting better and better. I don't think there's a, a, any coincidence with Dr. Renew Couture getting the, the chancellor and presidentship uh, in 2008. And so what she's done for, you know, going on 15 years now is nothing short of remarkable at the University of Houston. I just I looked at it every year, 
it kept getting better every year. Things kept getting, you know, kept building. Um, enrollment kept going up. Uh, academics kept improving. So the, the list goes on and on and on about where the University of Houston was in 2008 and 2009 uh, compared to where it is now. You know, so I knew they were close. I was part of those conversations at, at West Virginia when uh, realignment was happening, um, when it happened with us back in 2011. Uh, and then when it was about to happen again in 2016 and, and the, the presidents voted against it, uh, we were a part of those conversations. And at that point, West Virginia was supporting Houston uh, and BYU to get into the league. So I knew, I knew they were close, you know, uh, no guarantees whatsoever. But um, the, the administration made the commitment to me back four years ago that we're going to be treated like a Power 5 school. So budgets, uh, salaries, contracts, all that stuff was, was, was where we needed it to be. Uh, at that point, and I think acting like we were there uh, was a big part in getting there. Considering that I believe it was entering your year two when you guys did uh, enter the Big 12 in Morgantown, is there anything that you can take from that experience and apply it with your time at Houston right now as you guys enter another new conference? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I, I've been asked this a lot. You know, I, I do think my experience is going to help. Now, once we kick it off, I don't think it's going to help. I mean, you know, that just because <laughs> yeah. I've been there, done that doesn't mean that it's going to give us any advantage in game. You know, we're going to be coaching against people that have been in the Big 12 for, you know, as long or longer than I have been. So where, where, where I think it helped was, was the prep. You know, you go back and look at – we had two months to prep at, at West Virginia. I mean, we, we literally got in in October. Uh, half my recruiting class was, was recruited to play in the Big East – uh, so I had to kind of do some finagling on that recruiting class, but really only half of the recruiting class was signed prior to playing Big 12 teams. Hmm. Half of one recruiting class, all right? And back then, your recruiting class could only be 25. Uh, you know, here, you know, a lot of the meet we've had two years. We've had two full recruiting cycles, and we've had two years to prep for this, okay? So salaries have been up. Uh, personnel has, has increased. Uh, we signed 33 kids last year, and we signed 42 kids this year. So 70 of the 85 were recruited to play into the Big 12. Uh, so we're much more equipped right now um, as an institution to be able to compete. Um, you know, it took us two, three years at West Virginia to be able to really truly compete to have a winning record. So, I, I, you know, does that mean we're going to win now? I mean, I, I hope so. I think we're going to be able to compete, and I think we're going to be able to hold our own um, because we've had two years of lead-in time. We're in a very interesting place with college sports in general, but more specifically college football with the change in NIL rules, which I think most of us can agree is a good thing that uh, some of these young men are able to better capitalize on their name, image, and likeness uh, as they are playing a sport that hopefully they love as well. But uh, there are a lot of pitfalls with that. And unfortunately, a lot of people most responsible for, uh, for putting safeguards or guardrails or whatever the term you want to use in place to ensure it doesn't turn into complete chaos have failed us in the process. And unfortunately, your program uh, lost a guy late in the offseason with Alton McC uh, McCaskill going from Houston to Deion Sanders in Colorado. Do you see an obvious solution here in, in a way to maybe get some of this insanity to calm down to where you guys aren't just having to recruit dudes to come to your school. You're having to stay on that recruitment 24-7 once they set foot on campus, too. Yeah, uh, it, you know, I, I support one-time transfer. Um, I support NIL. Uh, I wish they wouldn't have came in at the same time. Because yeah. when they came in at the same time, that's what caused chaos. 
Um, you know, it's called enforcement. You know, I, I remember back six years ago at the AFCA convention, we had a head coaches meeting. NCA was there. NCA said one-time transfers coming. And I remember Urban Meyer standing up and said, you mean to tell me that a kid can go, he can leave and be eligible? He goes, he goes that, that's just not going to work. You know, and they said, but we're going to beef up on, on, on tampering. We're not going to let people tamper. <laughs> yeah. And since then, I think the NCAA has kind of went silent, you know, and Urban, Urban did say, he goes, if that happens, I'm getting out of this profession, which he did. <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I just, yeah, it's, it's called enforcement. I mean, you got to enforce it. You know, it, I've seen cheating. I've seen tampering. I've never seen anything like I see right now, you know, and so – it ain't going away. You got to deal with it the best that you possibly can. Uh, yeah, you got to keep recruiting your kids, but that's just where we're at right now, you know. So try to build the the best uh, environment that you can, the best healthy environment that you can. Give your kids advantages, treat them the right way. Uh, hopefully, they like where they're at and they stay. Well, let's be honest. The biggest problem with the enforcement part of that equation is that it's the NCAA's responsibility to enforce, and to enforce you have to have authority. And, Dana, as we know, you've led uh, programs uh, right now and in the past. To have authority, you have to have respect. And the NCAA doesn't have respect from just about anybody in the sport right now. Do you think the future of college football includes the NCAA in any way, shape, or form? Does there need to be some different governing body to to, uh, take care of these sorts of things? Yeah, I just I, I, I can't answer that. I'm, okay. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who can answer that. You know, I mean, I know the NCAA is trying. There's a new president. And he's he's trying. Um, you know, I think if anybody has opinions on it, then they can voice them. I'm not going to get into the politics of a boy, voicing my opinion uh, when we don't have any idea what's going to happen. You know, they, here's the good news. You know, our our sports never been more popular. You know, and coming to these media days gets everybody excited about the actual season. I think. At this point in time, your roster is what it is. Yeah. You know, the truth of the matter is, is all four of the guys that I have here right now, they could leave tomorrow based on NCAA rules, which I think, I think some of those rules need to need to be amended, yeah, uh, so to speak. But I think at this point, you know, you you, you kind of got your team, and let's get excited about the season. The sport's never been more popular. Uh, you know, there's never been more hype surrounding you know the the season, and once we get in season, it's it's going to be. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a heck of a time, you know. So you got to focus on that, and then once the season's over, everybody needs to kind of assess where they're at and get back to work, and and then the 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 circus the circus starts again in in, in December. Mike Leach is obviously a good friend of yours. He uh, became an acquaintance of mine over the last five years. I freaking loved Mike Leach. He's a guy who was uh, on this show regularly during the off season, and I like to refer to him as the Bill Murray of college football because he's just one of those unique dudes and everybody has at least one story about him. Do you have a favorite Mike Leach story from you guys' time together in Lubbock or otherwise? Oh, man. You know, I never read his book, um, Swing Your Sword. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we talked about that one. Never, re- never read his book because I lived it. Yeah. I mean, I flat out lived it. Uh, he's going to be missed. You know, the yeah. – you know, the, 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 Ceremony in Starkville was was moving to see the amount of people that was there. Uh, the dude impacted football on all three levels, I would argue, more than any human being ever. Mm. Uh, now, you know, the old air raid is kind of, I mean, he was kind of the last one, 
you know, everybody else has kind of shifted a little bit, whether it's myself or, you know, Sonny Dykes or Lincoln Riley or whoever it is. Everybody's kind of shifted in a little different direction. Uh, he never he never did, and he never wavered. Um, but to see the outcrying of support when, when he passed uh, was – it put things in perspective. Um, I think once uh, football starts and you – you don't see him on the sidelines. That's when it's really going to strike everybody. You know, I know, um, you know, they're, retire- he's, they're retiring him or putting him in the ring of honor at Texas Tech. I was so glad to see that with right. Cliff Kingsbury. With too. Cliff. Yeah. Well, you know when they're going to do that and who they're playing? They're playing Houston. And so I'm going to be on that sideline too. That's that's- going to be something that's going to be pretty moving. I know, you know, that was a hard exit in Lubbock, and there's, there's hundreds of thousands of Red Raider fans that – are going to pay tribute to him because it's 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 long time overdue. I mean, that's bringing tears to my eyes right yep. now, Dana. So uh, I'm I'm glad that you get to be a part of that as well in Lubbock when it happens. And last question, quick question: Can you feel it coming in the air tonight? <laughs> yeah, Phil Collins. I know I'm still hanging on up top, man. <laughs> <laughs> by 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 a couple of threads, anyway. So. Yeah, that's funny. Well, thank you so much for the time today, man. It's a pleasure uh, getting to speak with you, and welcome back to the conference. Appreciate you, man. Go Cougs. We are live from Big 12 Media Days, and it's a very exciting event to cover because when you get here, you never totally know who you're going to get to speak with. And I'll be honest, Dana Holgerson was one of those guys that was high on my list. And sure enough, he did not disappoint. Already spoke with Steve Sarkeesian, now Dana Holgerson. And guess what, Longhorn fans? Coming up, it is your starting quarterback for the 2023 season. That's right. Quinn Ewers joins me here on the Night Talker on the other side. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back at Big 12 Media Days, I am joined now by a Texas Longhorn, not just any Texas Longhorn, your starting quarterback, redshirt sophomore to be Quinn Ewers. Quinn, thank you so much for the time. How are you doing today? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Uh, that's my pleasure, and uh, welcome to Big 12 Media Days. This is obviously your first Big 12 Media Days. Do you have any expectations entering a day like this where obviously you're going to be asked a lot of questions about the hair and just uh, the overall prognostication for this 2023 season for Longhorn football? Yeah, I mean, ultimately I'm just going to be honest and, you know, uh, have a good time with it at the same time. That's cool. So uh, how do you feel? I mean, we're obviously uh, nearing the end of the off season. We've gotten through spring ball. You guys have uh, been going through not only uh, summer workouts, but also getting together as a team to just continue building on that camaraderie. Are you feeling pretty confident right now with the season a little bit more than a month away? Yeah, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready for, for this season to start. I'm pretty fired up with, you know, how much we've built uh, around this team and kind of Stuff we've changed throughout this team. I think um, all of us have the same mindset and going in, going into this season, and I think we're all pretty excited to to start out this year. What do you think the most important change is? I think just how close we've gotten as a whole team. Uh, you know, we don't have any stranglers really. We're just kind of all in the same boat, um, and we're all we're all rowing at the same time instead of rowing two different ways. You know, <clears throat> so yeah. Leaders come in all different forms and fashions. You obviously play a position where leadership is expected, especially when you are the guy as that starting quarterback. Uh, how would you describe your leadership style, and is that a role that you feel pretty comfortable in? 
Yeah, you know, obviously I had to grow into this vocal leader um, that, you know, I'm pretty comfortable with today. Um, you know, last year it was kind of more of a lead-by-example type, kind of let Roshan uh, and a couple of those veteran guys tell the team and, and approach the team and whatnot. But, you know, ultimately, you know, like you said, it's it's expected of me, and I think I've done a done a good job so far. I, I'm happy with the growth I've made and, you know, only growing on from here on out. So, yep. Do you wish you'd cut the hair a little bit sooner considering uh, how much of a big deal has been made out of it this offseason? I mean, I don't really take much time into it. I think it was just like a fun little thing I, I, I did. And, I mean, it's been a while since I've cut it, so. My six-year-old son wants to grow a mullet now, and a large <laughs> part of that has to do with you. So you started a, uh, un- unintentionally maybe, started a fashion trend across Austin with uh, <laughs> young boys who love Texas football. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love seeing that. Um, you know, obviously it's a fun haircut. Obviously, I mean, it's coming back. It was big back in the day. So my dad had one in high school. I grew it out my freshman year of high school and then kind of throughout all of high school and obviously had it in college. So, I mean, it was time to time to, for me to kind of let go and kind of grow up. So We're in such an interesting place right now with college football, which is a sport that so many people love, right? And uh, part of that has to do with the changing landscape of NIL, which you were one of the first people to really get to capitalize on a couple of years ago. If you could go back two years and tell your younger self, who was about to head off to Columbus, something about NIL and just how to properly handle that, what would you tell? What would you say? I would say just keep the main thing the main thing. I mean, if you play good ball, you're going to – have opportunities that you know all these great players are having are having nowadays and you know I love what NIL has brought to the table for all of us I mean we work hard it's long days I mean I'm excited I'm able to you know like you said capitalize off of it not like all these other guys that are able to capitalize off of it yeah is there a uh, a newest deal for you that you think is uh, worth mentioning on the air right now give you give your sponsor some love oh man there's a lot there's there's I mean this is a while back but I think one of my favorite deals I've done was Wrangler yeah. Uh, with these jeans because, you know, I grew up wearing Wrangler and to kind of get with them and do some stuff with them has been really cool. And they've done a lot of college stuff. So When you've got your own that. line of apparel now, too, that includes yeah. a uh, like an MJ sort of logo as well. Is that, that's through uh, Vapor Apparel, right? Yeah, it's through Vapor Apparel. Uh, the link's in my bio if you all want to go check it out. Um, you know, it's it's really great material. We really focused on material um, yeah. and kind of kind of making it comfortable for the user instead of just, you know, putting out as much product as we can. We're gonna we're taking it kind of slow. Um, you know, we're gonna release more products as as time comes. But you know, I'm I'm excited for it. I'm excited. We are in the golden era as far as uh, t-shirt comfort goes. Like we're no longer at that time. Let's call it the 1990s where everything was 100% cotton. Yeah. It shrunk awkwardly. Now everything fits really well. It's sweat wicking, and uh, that's a pretty good place to be, I'm guessing, for an athlete like yourself. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like fishing gear. What mine what mine is. It's got SPF on it, and we also sell, um, you know, a softer version of like a t-shirt, which is one of my favorites personally and that, I think that's been our best seller so far is a t-shirt that's kind of kind of more got a cotton feel to it okay I'm gonna have to uh, buy one of those is yeah. there a particular cover color that you're most fond of I like the blue one but we just came out with two new colors kind of like a cream and then like a like a red-ish kind of kind of deal and they're both I mean I, I personally like the blue 
Cool. Yeah, that's uh, that's the one. I've I've been to the website and I checked it out and I almost pulled the trigger on the blue <laughs> one. I may have to now. So, uh, you know, obviously uh, people are going to talk a lot about uh, not only your transformation but also just an increase in the number of weapons that you have around you in terms of throwing the football. Obviously, Xavier Worthy is back for another year. Huge to get Jordan uh, Whittington back. Uh, J.T. Sanders set a record as a tight end last year, thanks in large part to uh, you guys' relationship. And then A.D. Mitchell transfers over from. Georgia, if there is another guy that you could mention in that group that's going to be important to the passing attack this year, who would that be? I mean, there's so many guys in that room that are just, you know, kind of stepping up and kind of getting to that role. But, you know, who's been really good is Ryan Niblett. Mm. Um, I mean, he's he's a quick, he's a speedster. He's a, I mean, you know, Casey Kane's obviously in that mix as well. Um, I think I feel like all those guys have just kind of got together and made a decision that, hey, we want to be the best group in the nation. Um, you know, we don't want these questions on us anymore. Um, you know, they're doing jugs. We're throwing routes, you know, as much as we can. And, you know, just seeing that growth in that room has been spectacular. Um, you know, obviously we hired a new coach for that receiver room, and I think um, he's done, a, a, you know, a fantastic job kind of coming in and, and filling the role that he's done. I mean, he, he came from the NFL, so he understands what it looks like to be a pro, and I think all those guys are fully bought in on what he thinks. What has been the most important aspect of your physical transformation, haircut aside, of course? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this offseason, really in the winter, I really focused on my body and, you know, my eating habits. You know, I wasn't eating, you know, burgers and, and, all, that, and all that stuff. I really, you know, wanted my body to feel good going into this year because, you know, I, was, I had some um, issues last year, um, you know, just with my back and whatnot. And, you know, this year I've just – I feel so much better. I feel like a new person almost. It just – you know, eating habits I didn't think were as big as a deal, um, obviously, or, um, last year. But this year, I've seen what the, what it does. You know, even mentally. So is that right, mentally too? Yeah. Mm, like you just feel like you have more focus and clarity. Yeah, I just feel like my head is just a lot clearer. You know. So many inflammatory foods out there. Uh, what What is your favorite healthy food to consume right now? Then. Man, I'm I'm a sucker for some salmon. I love salmon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyway, it's, I, it's just really good. I and those omega three fatty acids, yeah, they're good, good source of protein. Yeah, is there a uh, a junk food that still trips you up from time to time? We all have it. For me, it's chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, uh, man, I really like just getting a bag of chips. I mean, it <laughs> sucks, but um, like you said, I'm a, I'm a sucker for it. So, but oh. you know, I've I've been a lot better. I've, I've kind of distance myself from from buying those and stuff if you don't have them at the house it's kind of easy not to have so. no question like i've got an eight and six year old at home which has made it very difficult not to uh indulge in junk food from time to time so what are we going here sour cream and onion barbecue salt and vig- vinegar plain chips with salt i'm a salt and vinegar guy yeah, me too ah, man it's hard to stay away from that so what do you love about austin uh, i love how much opportunity that the city brings to not only the football team but the whole university um, you know, obviously the university has been there forever and the city has kind of built itself up. Um, I mean, there's so many opportunities for not only me, but this whole, this whole team as well. And there's so much stuff to do outside of football. I mean, if you just want to get away, I mean, there's plenty of hiking trails you can get on and, you know, the food is just great. The breakfast tacos are unreal. Um, Austin's great. It's a great city. It's maybe the toughest question you're going to be asked today, Quinn, but what's your favorite restaurant in Austin? My favorite restaurant in Austin? Yeah. Oh, there's this place called Hestia. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's phenomenal. It's, it's, the best, um, it's the best restaurant I've ever been to in my it's, life. It's Mediterranean, right? Yeah, it's different. It's, um, I can't remember what I got. It's, it's like a fish, 
Uh, the scallops are good there. Okay. Um, they have good steak there. Man, I'm upset. I can't remember the name of what I got, but it had caviar on it. Man, it was just so good. It was <laughs> oh so good. Goodness. You got You got to go check it out. You had me. It had caviar. Yeah, on it. My, no, phenomenal. My the sauce they put over the fish too is just. Had some corn under it. It was it was really good. I think it starts with an H. I can't remember now. Halibut. Yeah, halibut. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll it have to. Really good. I haven't been there before. I've heard about it, so yeah, I'll have to, to get the halibut. It's kind of hidden. It took me a while to, to find. Interesting. But it's kind of tucked away. So we all have uh, at least one fear in life. My wife is afraid of clowns. I'm afraid of unfulfilled dreams. What's your biggest fear? Oh, that's a good one. You know, I'm. My, I think my worst fear is sharks. Honestly, I'm I can't go in the ocean. I mean, I can get about hit deep, hip deep, but I mean, I don't know. You don't know what's out there. When you don't know what's out there, uncharted territory. I mean, it's 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 going to be pretty scary. So for that, for me, that's that's one of my biggest fears. Dude, there's videos all over social media now. Even hip deep may not be safe enough anymore. No, I know they're coming up close. They're coming up close. And you know, I grew up. I guess I always watched Shark Week growing up, so that's probably why. <laughs> and I was young. I was probably ten when I watched Jaws, and that's probably why. I mean. Maybe so. They're, they're scary. I know they're not out to get us, but, you know, you never know. You never know if there's a rogue shark out there trying to get you. <laughs> <laughs> rogue sharks are yeah. a thing, man. What do you love about being a Longhorn? You know, I grew up wanting to be a Longhorn. It's been a dream of mine. Um, you know, to, to, come, to go to Ohio State and then come back here. Um, you know, when I was up there, I just – I miss Texas. I miss my family. Yeah. I was just too far. And, you know, being back home, you know, I'm three hours from where we are right now, so – Back, I'm from Southlake, yeah. so I'm able to kind of commute. To If I want to see my family, I don't have to get on a plane. They don't have to get on a plane to come see me. They can just come on, drive down, and, you know, it, it just makes everything. It makes life a lot easier. I have a lot more resources down here. Um, you know, I'm able to connect with more of my kind of people, you know, Texans and, and whatnot, and it's just it's been great. But, you know, I grew up. I wanted to be a Longhorn my whole life. So to, to be a part of this program has been, it's been really special. And, you know, growing up, a part of you know wanting to be a part of a team you kind of have more pride whenever you're playing for them so i think ultimately that all just adds up to to where i'm at right now and that's a great answer and i can't wait to see what uh you and uh, your team are going to get to accomplish this year uh thank you so much for the time today and best of luck in 2023 yeah, i appreciate that thank you thanks for having me on coming up more from big 12 media days it's the night talker with trey elling It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back with one more segment here on the Night Talker from Big 12 Media Days at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington. And we finish things off with one more conversation. This with the second-year head coach at TCU. His first year was pretty darn good. Ends up leading the Horn Frogs to a regular season Big 12 crown and national championship game experience. Sonny Dykes. Sonny, thank you so much for the time. How you doing today? I'm good. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, always fun to be at Media Day and kind of signals the beginning of the season. So fired up about it. Are you tired of answering the what are you going to do for an encore <laughs> question just yet? Uh, not, not entirely. Um, it's a good question, though. I mean, that's, that's the same question I would ask um, if I was in your, in your chair. Um, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I think the thing for us, the challenge is, you know, Kenya, everybody says you caught lightning in a bottle and, you know, you had this magical year and, you know, and all that stuff. And, and I think in some ways we did. Um, but I think in some ways that's underselling kind of what our players did. You know, the guys, 
you know, they, they played really hard and they were unselfish and they were really good in critical situations. And, you know, we had some good luck, but I think a lot of that was, um, you know, because of what we did. And the challenge is to recreate it now. And we have a different group of players, but I think the challenge is, is the same. And, um, you know, I think our roster top to bottom is honestly probably significantly more talented than last year. Um, it boils down to, you know, how can we put the pieces together and how does it fit? And, and then can we do the little things that make a difference between winning and losing? Well, I'm a big believer in the idea that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And you obviously met, uh, met that task last year. So how have you ensured that you guys stay prepared enough for whatever it is that ends up happening in the 2023 season? Well, the big thing for us is, is making sure that we, number one, learn from last year. You know, the good stuff, the bad stuff. I mean, I'm sitting here at the one-yard line where Kansas State stopped us you know, on third and fourth down. Otherwise, we would have, you know, had a chance to win a Big 12 championship. And so, you know, that's obviously a situation that we could have done better in. And that's a great teaching opportunity and learning opportunity for our players. Um, you know, we didn't play well in the biggest game of the year. Uh, and so that's a great teaching opportunity. Um, and so that's kind of what you want to do. You want to take those, those opportunities to teach and learn. And at the same time, you want to say, okay, look, this is what we were good at. Let's continue to build off of that. And you know, for us, I think our players have learned how important it is to play well together, you know, and play complementary football. And, you know, that's what I'm really proud of about this team last year is we were able to win a lot of different ways. And I think this, this team this year can do the same thing. I think we're going to be improved on defense. I think we're going to have the same kind of big play capabilities we had offensively. I think we can be more consistent offensively than we were. You know, I feel good about our kicking game. You know, we, we return our deep snapper, punter, and kicker, and I think they're all really good players. So there's a lot of things to be excited about. Um, but, you know, we've got we to be willing to do the little things, you know, and, and do them day in and day out. And our guys have to buy into our vision enough that when they leave the building, you know, when they showed up and they've been through meetings, and they've been through treatment, they've been through practice, and they've done weightlifting, and they've done all the stuff you have to do when they leave the building now, are they doing the right stuff outside the building? You know, and, and if you want to be great, you have to do that. And that's what it takes. And last year's team was willing to do it. And, you know, the, the jury's still out whether or not we're, we're able to do it this year. I'm glad you mentioned learning from last year's failures because overall, obviously, it was an exceptional season for TCU football. But successful people uh, not only fail, they tend to fail often and learn those necessary lessons. So what were you able to take away as a coach from that national championship game, just considering it turned into a perfect storm? You guys were obviously much better yeah. than what people saw that night. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think the, the, the message for us really all year was, hey, don't panic. You know, mm-hmm. believe, in, believe in your training, believe in your preparation. Uh, you know, we're good enough. And I think that was, you know, you look at us against Oklahoma State, we're down 17 at halftime, it doesn't look good. A couple weeks later, we're down 17 at halftime at Kansas State, it doesn't look good. We were able to rally win those games. And so, you know, what we did is we got into the biggest, on the biggest stage in the biggest game of the year, and we panicked a little bit. You know, things didn't go well uh, in the beginning, and... You know, our guys, I think, panicked. And so I think, you know, it's like anything else. you got to have that true confidence and belief in yourself, in your teammates, in, your, in the system that it's going to be good enough. And, and we're still working to get there. You know, it was, it was good enough most of the season, but certainly wasn't good enough in the national championship game. And 
So we got to continue to, to hammer that point across to our players, and they got to continue to, to buy into that and, and understand that, you know, hey, look, if we do things the right way, we have enough talent, we got enough good players, um, you know, that we can we can beat anybody. And if things don't go well early, uh, and we were fortunate. I mean, the week before against Michigan, we got off to a great start, and I think that really helped us. It gave our guys a ton of confidence, gave us some momentum, and we were never able to get that against uh, Georgia. And, um, and you got to give them a ton of credit. I mean, really good football team and a pretty special group. But wish we had that one to do over again, but, you know, at the same time, ready to move forward. Everybody fears something. My wife fears clowns. I fear unrealized dreams. What's your biggest fear? Uh, you know, i got young kids, and so kind of – Worry a lot about them. Yeah, uh, you know, six-year-olds. Yeah, get you there. <laughs> yeah, fourteen and twelve-year-old daughters and six-year-old son. Um, I don't know, man. I'm kind of, I'm pretty optimistic. Um, so I'm not so sure that I think about that stuff a lot. Um, mm -hmm. but but I mean, I think missed opportunity is is yeah. the one thing to me that you know bothers me and felt like we had some missed opportunities last year and so we want to try to. You know, make sure that next time we got them that we're, we're, we can capitalize better than we did. I'd like to think that uh, you are an optimistic guy in large part because your dad, and he is obviously a legend. Last year, you and I talked about your friendship with Mike Leach, and me as somebody who was acquaintances with him, I'm still heartbroken uh, about the loss at yep. the end of last year. So my, uh, my condolences on your loss, but uh, just how happy does it make you that Texas Tech is doing the right thing here and making sure to induct him in the ring of honor with yeah. Cliff Kingsbury? Yeah, you know, um, really, you know, proud of Texas Tech for doing that. I mean, sometimes when you break up, it's hard to, you know, it's hard on everybody. Breakups are never easy. Uh, and I appreciate uh, Texas Tech's leadership and, you know, for, for willing to, to being willing to do that. He certainly deserves to be there. He's one of the all-time greats. Um, you know, he's uh, nobody like Mike, you know, one of a kind. And, you know, college football needs some people that, that um, aren't afraid to kind of blaze their own trails. And certainly Mike was, was a trailblazer and somebody who um, wasn't afraid to, to look at things differently and see maybe a different reality than some other people did. And, uh, you know, when you, you miss independent thinkers and he was the – he was the grand champion of independent thinkers, and so we're going to certainly miss him from a football standpoint, but you just miss him personally as well. Just such a unique person and somebody that I always enjoyed just spending time with because, you know, he was great at seeing things from a different perspective and communicating that to you, and I learned a lot from Mike through the years for sure. We have to embrace the people that live their lives outside of the box, and yeah. he most certainly did that. For and sure. he always expressed his love for Texas Tech and Lubbock too. It was just a handful of people that uh, led to his ouster. So I think that uh, Texas Tech folks have loved him since as well and uh, been pretty ticked off with uh, their own folks based on the direction that the football program has gone until now. All right, last question now, Sonny. Uh, what do you love about TCU? Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's the perfect situation for me, you know, in my life. Um, you know, I live two blocks from campus. Uh, we're, hmm. My family's on campus all the time. You know, it's just a... It's a great place to live, an easy place to live. It's a fantastic community. You know, Fort Worth is just a great city that's growing and, and offers our players tremendous opportunity. It's a great institution. You know, the cool thing about TCU is people that go to school there, um, they love the place. I mean, they really do. Now, it's a small school, 
that can be challenging at times. But, man, they get customer service. You know, our, our student-athletes have an incredible experience going to school there. The university cares about them. The faculty care about them. Um, it's way different than going to a big public school. Um, and I've coached at both, you know, big public schools and, and small private schools. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of right in the middle. And I think it's a perfect, uh, perfect situation, you know, for, for our student-athletes. You know, it's one of those places where – I hope my kids go to school there because I know they're going to have a tremendous experience and get a great education and, and have a lot of fun and be in a great city. And so, you know, in, in, in my point, this point in my life, it's really kind of the perfect utopia, you know, for me and my family. So it's, uh, it's, been, it's been a hell of a place. Congratulations on making it to Utopia. Thank you so much for the time today and best of luck with things going yeah, forward. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, another show is in the books. This one from day one of Big 12 Media Days in Arlington at Jerry World, a.k.a. AT&T Stadium. Lots of great conversations today. If you missed my chats with Steve Sarkeesian, Dana Holgerson, Quinn Ewers, or the one I had just now with Sonny Dykes, You can go to 1027ESPN.com, click on my show page, and the full hour will be there for you to listen commercial-free. Stay tuned. Tomorrow, we will still be here. No, the Longhorns will not, but there are plenty of other great storylines to probe and lots of great conversations to be had. I will do my best to bring the best of those potential conversations to you right here on the Night Talker on 1027 ESPN. And then stay tuned on Friday. It's the return of Trey and BK Fridays on the Night Talker. We're taking a couple weeks off. We've gone various places. Me with my family to Oregon. BK apparently spent time in Canada uh, in that time that we were not broadcasting together. So we will get into all of that more on Friday. In the meantime, have yourselves a great rest of the night and sweet dreams. It's the Night Talker with Trey Ellings.